1: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable, freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of the usual suspects with me today, as far as co-hosts go. First up, he's the other lore-focused writer over on Blizzard Watch, and that would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi.
2: Hello, everybody.
1: <laughs> That's it. Just a hello, everybody.
2: Yep, pretty okay. much.
1: How you doing? <laughs> oh, fine. Yeah. Hello, everybody okay we'll just leave it at that uh second up we've got our other co-host who is our shaman columnist but he's also really versed in lore as well and that would be joe perez hey joe well hello
0: everybody how's it going i am full of very delicious sushi so very very good today
1: oh okay well sushi.
0: that was my reward for having to work today
1: (laughs) i can't even talk today i'm like sushi, sushi yeah i sushi yay great So, um, (laughs) this week was actually kind of a big one in terms of World of Warcraft, which is what we're going to be talking about today, because um, that's what we usually end up talking about. One of these days we're going to have to do another Overwatch one again, but um, World of Warcraft, Antorus came out, and of course with Antorus being released, that means that people buzz-sawed their way through the whole thing, got to the end, and unlocked the final cinematic for the raid, which was um, pretty interesting. Needless to say... This episode is going to be full of spoilers for the end of Antorus and possibly leading into beginning of Battle for Azeroth. If you're avoiding any of that information, you may want to hold off and like come back after you have seen all of it for yourself. So this is your fair warning. Um, woe betide any of you who listen beyond this point and do not want to be spoiled because it's just going to happen immediately, okay? All right. So cinematic um there were several cinematics actually involved with Antorus because we had like those lead-up unlock cinematics where you went and talked to Magni and did his quests and then you had one before the final boss fight which was with Argus the Unmaker and then you had the final cinematic of the whole thing and I kind of want to talk about all of them as a whole I guess because I don't know I, I feel like this is the first raid in a long time that's been chock full of cinematics like the whole way through. What do you guys think?
0: Even before the raid was even released? Yeah, Yeah,
1: it was like, there was like a cinematic lead up to it and then within the raid itself there was a lot of story involved. Obviously, I haven't been in Antorus myself because um, I don't have a raid guild. I do LFR. Sorry guys, but... um, as far as that goes, I have been following other people's progress and following what's been going on in there, and it seems like there's a really involved story that just kind of weaves its way through the entire raid. Um, do either of you guys are either of you guys in a raid guild where you're actively raiding right now? Yep, I, I am. Have you been all the way through?
0: No, um, mostly because so, non non lore wise, real okay. quick, just the variety of mechanics in Antoris is far and above anything that they've ever done before, which is very ambitious and I enjoy this, yeah. but it does make for some interesting learning curves. That said, what I have gotten to go through has been absolutely fantastic and it, it's everything that leads up to it, It. it perfectly slots in and fits in as you see the different pieces. And I think that's really important and it's really cool because one of the things that I always had a gripe with over all the years of raiding is that, you know, boom, here's a raid. And maybe here's a little quest that leads up to it and then everything else is just done in the raid. The fact that they've done everything with like the, the Magni cinematics leading up to it, showing you not just like the first encounter of the raid, but very deep into the raid what you're going to see, what you can expect, and unveiling that story in these little sort of weekly snippets was really good because it it gave me a sense of intrigue that I haven't had in any other raid. Maybe closest would be something like uh, Ice Crown Citadel would probably be the next closest. But the presentation of the story inside of it complements it so well, whether it's the the comments that the NPCs and bosses make while you're in there or whether it's just going back and reflecting on, OK, this is the environment from the cinematic. And you notice all these little things from there that that sort of add this sort of uh, immersive nature to it. I got to give them props for that. I, I think this is probably one of the coolest setups for a raid that they've done ever.
1: I feel like as the expansions have gone on, it's like that first tier or two of of raids aren't necessarily the most story-heavy. Legion Mm -hmm. has done a really good job of making them story-heavy because obviously the the Nightmare has like this whole overarching thing in it that we eventually resolve. And then we have the Nighthold, which has this whole overarching thing in it that we resolve, Tomb of Sargeras, and now like Each of them have been really heavy on the story, whereas you go back to, well, you look at Warlords of Draenor, um, Hellfire Citadel actually had like a story going on in it. Mm-hmm. I I can't really speak to as... I mean, we know how I feel about warlords. It felt very disjointed to me. And it was like... The, the raids, raids were too. The raids yeah. that were in there, they were presented. I mean, the raids themselves were interesting. The stuff that went on inside them was interesting, but it felt really disjointed as a whole. And then you go back to Missa Pandaria and those early raids, I mean... Yeah, there was kind of a reason for us to be there, but it wasn't really until the Isle of Thunder and Siege of Orgamar mm-hmm. that the story element really started kicking in. And it was the same thing with Cataclysm. You you didn't really see it start kicking into high gear and kind of addressing the entirety of the expansion until you got to Dragon Soul. Um,
0: now, I will, I will say that the only other expansion that I think has done a very good job of weaving uh at least a, a attempt at a cohesive story or a thread between all of the raids and dungeons honestly was burning crusade and everything had evolved whether we wanted to or not it, it revolved around you Illidan what? and what was going on there
1: i didn't quite get it as well though with burning crusade it,
0: it wasn't it wasn't as refined but it was there it was the attempt was there
1: the attempts and then, were there and they, the, you know the threads were this being is the pulled. refined nature of it yeah, the threads were being kind of pulled into place. It felt like Black Temple, out of all of the raids, the one that we should have been most concerned with, it felt like Black Temple was kind of slapped on at the end. And that I think that was mostly, mostly because Illidan didn't really have... A presence. Um, a major presence throughout the expansion. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we went into overdrive with Wrath of the Lich King, where Arthas just literally showed up everywhere. Like, you stop to sell things at a vendor, and Arthas would show up, taunt you, and then disappear. Um. <laughs> you die.
0: He's still there. You're like... But they did a really good job here of, with, with very few exceptions, I'm not going to say everything ties together, because... The stuff with Odin, while important, I wouldn't say necessarily ties in as deeply as I would have liked with some I of the other stuff. I always
1: forget about the Halls of the is it halls Val- of Valor. Yeah, yeah I, I always forget. I don't think I've even done that one on LFR. I think I still but need to go do that one on LFR, but it doesn't like...
0: It's its own self-contained thing yeah. versus the other ones, right? Yeah. And, but with everything else, everything else ties together, at least has a thread uh, in which it sort of pulls here. And it, it's a cohesive story, at least... For the most part, from start to finish, with that that one little hiccup, and I'm okay with that.
1: How do you feel about the raids and the story overall in Legion, Rossi?
2: Um, I kind of feel like I'm going to be the one, the person out here, because I feel like Ahturis doesn't have a lot to support it until this expansion. We never heard about any of this stuff before, so to me, Tumus Argaris felt like the place to stop. Like I, I felt from the beginning like Legion should have ended with Tumus Argaris. And Argus should have been its own expansion. Like I really feel like they have put two expansions in here, and they could have done more to develop both of them, which is weird to say. And I'm not sure exactly how to put it. Like the Broken Shore felt strange and disjointed to me. Like it's like, why are we doing all this weird stuff just so we we can like lead up to Tumas Argus? Why don't we just go in? I've always felt that way. Tumas Argus itself, I think, is a really good raid. Um, I think there's a lot of the very interesting lore in that place, and a lot of it we haven't really dealt with yet and that's my problem with the, the the lore throughout legion is it feels like we barely skim the surface of this stuff like uh, uh the emerald nightmare and so forth really felt like okay now what and and didn't get finished um the nighthold like there's a
1: dangling but, thread there and we know we're yeah. going to pick that up again at some point
2: nighthold very much it, it feels like that's an that's an raid that's going to haunt us for years to come once once bfa comes out uh two i thought was really well done but i really felt like the broken shore itself wasn't as well done and didn't really contribute to the feel as much as it could have um and as for antorus and, and argus they've both been incredible i don't have anything against them i haven't got a chance to go in and actually see antorus yet my my guild that i'm kind of semi-active with is going to be raiding it again this week and I'll, hopefully i'll get to go in but uh in general i feel like we've had like this last patch was not expansion's worth like with like one or two more zones, Argus could have been
0: an entire expansion. An yeah. Entire
2: expansion. It's just amazing to me just how much was in this patch, uh, you know. So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Antorus is pretty amazing taken on its own, but it does feel kind of like oh, and by the way, there's this place where you know all this stuff has been going on this whole time that we never mentioned before ever. Uh, oh, and 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 the planet Argus has a soul. And that soul is going. It turns out that it does have a world soul, and that world soul is going to be. Oh, and the seat of the pantheon's over this way. I still want to know. Like, there's a lot of stuff where we're going to other worlds inside Antorus, like we're not staying in the Antorus. Like, there's at least, I think, at least two encounters take place completely outside of that that raid. They're not in it at all.
0: Yeah, and you um, get a. There's also a little room too, where you get to see uh, a whole bunch of different planets too. There's like a whole portal set up.
2: Yeah. Which so is, there's. It feels like again. I I feel like Legion as an expansion suffers maybe from having just so much stuff crammed in. I guess that's a that's a better problem to have than the you know Warlords problem. I
1: was problem gonna of, say I would well, I would rather have Legion's problem <laughs> than Warlords problem. I'm just no, I, saying. I got you. I understand that. But doesn't <laughs> it kind I'll, of I'll feel like with, between Warlords and
2: Legion, they they could have put some of this in Warlords and done Warlords differently. I don't know. It feels like Warlords is half an expansion, and it feels like Legion is well one and a half expansions
0: I'll give I'll give Anne credit for this one too for the idea because like I, I think she hit the nail on the head Warlords was sort of like this interstitial expansion right like it was this sort it of was in the between bridge. Yeah. It, was,
1: it was the bridge I don't think that, that bridge needed to be there honestly if I were going to put anything in that you know how I said oh gosh it would have made sense to have like Legion show up and then Warlords after that you know what would have made more sense have Battle for Azeroth show up and then Legion and then yeah, maybe I warlords that. after that.
2: See, I don't know if I agree with that because I think a lot of the stuff from battle is very dependent on what's happening in Legion. It,
1: it is. It is, and I and I get that cuz like a lot of the stuff, I mean, obviously we've warned people about spoilers. The whole wound in the earth thing that leads into the whole Battle of Azer- Azeroth thing and and you know that's kind of like the fomenting source of this and antagonizing between the Alliance and Horde which has been going on for years and years and years. At the same time, I feel like they could have put that all-out brutal war back-and-forth thing right after Missa Pandaria, right after when we were still fresh from the Siege of Orgrimmar. You know, maybe have more people that were angry, that kind of thing. I, I don't... Maybe, think... but
2: here's my thing. Uh, Why well, I, I don't agree with that. I think, to a certain degree, the reason Battle for Azeroth is going to be interesting is that it is Sylvanas and Anduin in charge.
1: Well, that's what I was just going to get to, yeah. but you interrupted me there, I was going to say. I didn't think that it would have... <laughs> quite the dramatic impact that's where i was kind of stepping back a little from that because i was like wait no because then varian would still be alive now it would would it have been nice to give like another chapter to Varian's story yeah probably because we didn't see a lot of him in warlords and what we saw of him in miss pandaria and coming out of miss pandaria was a varian that was a little more tempered and a little bit you know he had more of a solid head on his shoulders and was making sense that kind of thing um and and I kind of would have liked to have seen that Varian be a leader a little bit more. Because it feels like a lot of Varian's story was about his wh- whole internal struggle thing. And every time he seemed to get that resolved, something else would come up that would kick that back into high gear. So it was like, he finally got all that settled. We got Miss of Pandaria, where he was like, you know, he seemed to be... I mean, obviously he was concerned for the welfare of his son. But beyond that the whole domineering father angle had kind of relaxed a little bit and he'd gone on to be more of a tempered leader, willing to listen to everybody and take everybody's input into consideration and that kind of thing. And then we didn't see him again until he got the axe. You know what I mean? It just, it feels like, it feels like Blizzard has this problem and and I don't know if it's like a story problem, like a story writing problem or whatever. If a character isn't going through some kind of conflict, they don't want to focus on them at all. Like, they don't want to show these characters triumphs, they just want to highlight the struggles, and then once it seems that they've overcome those struggles, they get rid they move of on. them. Yeah. So, like, Jaina had this whole thing where, obviously, you know, the whole thing about Theramore and all of that, and in war crimes it felt like she had maybe reached that resolution but we never got to see the results of that resolution all we saw was a minor appearance in warlords of draenor where it was obvious that she hadn't reached that resolution that we thought she did in war crimes and that carried on into legion and she had just been kind of shoved to the side and i know i'm I focus on Jaina a lot here, but that's because I like Jaina as a character. But the thing is is you can apply the same thing to Varian. Varian had just achieved that balance and that kind of tempered leadership and then all of a sudden he's gone. Voljin had finally gotten some kind of story. He even got a novel. Like he got a novel and he got like this whole intriguing element where he was like the leader of the rebellion against Garrosh Hellscream and all of that. Throughout Mists of Pandaria, and then what happened after he was appointed war chief? Absolutely nothing. He died. That was it. The end. And yeah, I just, just I want to see these guys' successes. Uh,
0: I'm just gonna say this. Woe betide the uh, the Blizzard employee that pitches the idea of killing Anduin in the middle of the next expansion because you're gonna wouldn't. have a bad.
2: Time. <laughs> <laughs> Christy's I, I got a billboard, guys. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, to answer the original question you asked was, what do I feel about Legion? Yeah. I will say that overall, like I said, Legion's biggest flaw is that it has too much going on. Which, if you're going to have a flaw, that's the flaw to have. I don't think we can argue. I think we just basically made that really clear in, in the discussion just now. But the the other thing I think to be pointed out is that Legion does something even Mists couldn't do. Mists had a lot of content. It had a lot of like lore happen in it. Legion invented whole stuff, a lot of new stuff, whole cloth. Because that's what Antorus is. Taurus, the surface of Argus, the other worlds we go to, a lot of stuff that happens in this expansion is brand new. The Nightborn didn't even exist as an idea before this expansion. Now they're going to be like a major deal allied race. Legion is actually, as much as it's closed some doors, it's actually opened a lot more. And mm-hmm. it also did something we never thought we'd actually get to see, in that it gave Illidan a story. Illidan didn't, have, didn't like, have a story in in BC at all. Yeah, I feel
1: like this was kind of the redemption arc swan song for Illidan Stormrage, where all of those people, myself included, that looked at Burning Crusade and went, wait, he was on the box, but we barely saw him. And I mean, I was raiding. I, I, mm-hmm. I got to kill Illidan when he was current content and everything, and it just it felt like kind of anticlimactic. It was like, well, he was there. We killed him. I got a Oh, war yeah, blade. it was my biggest...
0: That was my biggest uh my biggest gripe at the time is here's yeah. supposed to be this big bad and he's supposed to be the driving force of this entire expansion and yet
1: in I see him way, three times. Yeah. yeah, in its own way. I feel like Legion kind of feels like Burning Crusade part two. It was like mm-hmm. it's like here's the story of Burning Crusade only told that's, in a really that's coherent That's kinda, yeah, kinda
0: where I was gonna go earlier with it when I was talking about the only other the only other expansion that I felt did exactly or, or at least tried to do what Legion has was Burning Crusade. It's the two the two are married
1: it feels like it feels like and i mean you guys can argue about this if you want to to me when i was playing burning crusade right when i was back playing burning crusade and this was before i was writing about world of warcraft a lot or anything i was just really kind of entrenched in the lore and paying attention to it it felt like tempest keep was that surprise gotcha at the end um I didn't really follow spoilers or anything. I just followed what I was reading and seeing in game and, you know, the novels and things like that. Um, So when that all came out and was kind of announced, it was like, oh, my gosh, there's like this added coda at the end of all of this. (laughs) Like we thought we were done with Black Temple, but nope, there's another thing here. Argus feels like that to me. Where it was like, okay, we went to tomb with Sargeras. We got all this done and dealt with and everything. And then all of a sudden, oops, nope, wait, there's a giant planet in the sky. We had to go deal with that thing. Only Argus is like 10 times bigger and better than Tempest Keep and the Isle of Keldonis ever was. Oh, you mean the Sunwell? Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm sorry. I was confused. Not if you Tempest said Tempest Keep, Keep. The Sunwell. I'm Sunwell. sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's been yeah, a long say, day. The Sunwell, say, not Tempest Keep. Tempest Keep, I, I, Keep thinking, was there from the beginning. <laughs> right. I'm, no, I'm thinking about Kael'thas, and Kael'thas was originally in Tempest Keep. I just went there the other day to go get a vial. Anyway, um, no, the Sunwell. The Sunwell in the Isle of Keldanas. That whole thing popped up at the end of it all, and I wasn't really expecting it as a player, and you know, maybe I wasn't as good at looking for hints and things like that at that point in time. But it just... I definitely it,
2: think there's a certain amount of similarity between how Isle of and and Sunwell rolled out and how Argus and Antorus rolled out. Um, the main it's, difference, it's I like think... It's like the epilogue,
1: is, almost, or like a, a an additional chapter that you weren't quite expecting, but all of a sudden, oops, it's there.
0: It's doing the thing that I think... It, it's a mark of, to me, what, what a good expansion does or what a good cycle in a game does, which is you tie up whatever loose ends you have. You have your thread going for the entire time, And then you build upon it into something that leads into either opening more doors, opening more threads and sort of, you know, kind of continuing that that push that that drive to keep going versus warlords, which really didn't. Right. Like it's that's what they're doing here. They're doing all that thing like, like just like Rossi said, they may be, you know, tying all these loose ends up for some things. But they're creating brand new things, brand new threads. They're introducing new fabric to that, that tapestry. And that's the good thing, right? And Let's yes, Let's be may... upfront with something. Because
2: I, sure. I feel like we should just talk about it. Because we, we yeah. said we were going to talk about the cinematics. At the end of this expansion, we still don't know a lot. Oh, yeah. One of the things we don't know is the final fate of Sargeras and the Pantheon we do not know exactly what happens to them we know they do something that supposedly traps sargeras but let's be honest anytime blizzard decided they wanted to bring them back they have a perf- a, a giant door to do so and that's oh, yeah. what that
0: cinematic does there's a blip does. in the sky that oh, could
1: reopen yeah. and
0: that cinematic in the cinematic before that cinematic also sets that up as well
1: yeah absolutely it does how so um, explain joe
0: because you have okay so we're we're operating under the assumption that the pantheon is using all of their collective energies to keep sargeras in in prison right that's why illidan's is again this is why illidan's staying behind this is why the pantheon's staying behind and they're saying go mortals it's your time to shine blah 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 however before that in the cinematic that leads up to the fight with argus the unmaker the pantheon's burning their energy they're burning their energy to force argus to manifest we don't know how much of that they get back, if any, or how much energy they've really had at the end of that whole eternity of struggle that they've been going through since you know they've been trying to be broken for how many thousands of years at this point? You know, with the exception of AR, I mean, they they could be incredibly weak. Sargeras could break free. Like it's a thing that could happen. He hasn't been weak. Like we 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 sort of beat his booty years ago but he was still strong enough to push the legion forward to do everything he needed to do to create an entire engine of souls on another planet to birth a brand new titan like he was powerful enough to get all these things in motion while the other ones were disembodied uh, souls being tortured in his factory like so what they did we don't know the lasting effects of it because we don't know how much power they had left we don't know how much juice was left in their batteries
1: okay rossi go ahead and continue sorry
0: um, the other thing to keep in mind,
2: too, is that we don't know, like, we know that the next expansion deals with the consequences of what we just see in that cinematic. Um, we know that...
1: And let's just flat Sar- out say it. Sargeras plunges his sword into Azeroth.
2: Yeah. Silithus when po- is done. Silithus is toast. It is the quarterback. <laughs> but when, uh, when this happens, we, we see him summon his blade and, and jam it into the world. And then he lets it go, and when he's pulled back. The, uh, what's interesting too is there's kind of a translation difference. Like He is planet-sized when they grab him. Like he is the size of, of Azeroth. He is, like, he is so big that he is like literally a giant cloud climbing on the planet, and mm-hmm. then they pull him out, and when they pull him to the seat of the Pantheon, he is different. He is smaller. So there's a translation deal. Being in the seat of the Pantheon seems to translate them. Well, They seem to get they're smaller. Pulling
1: him, they're pulling him, and they're also draining his power while they're pulling him. So I don't know yeah. if that attributes for the size shift or what. But, but... but it,
2: it, that's the thing. We don't know. There's yeah. a lot we don't know here. We know that Illidan kind of understood this was going to happen. Whether or not he foresaw it or just expected it, he, he prepares himself. He He gives you a crystal to take back to his... Brother and his brother's wife, who he still has a thing for, um, and wow, I'm, I'm gonna give a little credit for still having a thing for someone after that many thousands of years. You know, dude, you you need to learn to let go, uh, but he didn't, and that's why we're still alive. So anyway, there's there's a lot of there's a lot going on here that we don't know yet what it means. We we don't know what it's going to like. The Legion is broken at the end of this. It's it's fair to say this. The Legion it doesn't have it doesn't have Kil'jaeden. It doesn't have Archimonde. And it doesn't have Sargeras. So it doesn't have its big leaders anymore. And we have no idea, like, are they dead for good? Because Antorus was still up and running when we killed both of them. Mm-hmm. And Antorus, even if you die in the nether, Antorus pulls you out. You get tortured for a while, then you get to come back. Is that, was that happening for Jaden in, in Archimond? When we go into Antorus, do we screw that up or do they end up getting loose sooner? Like, what's going to happen now? Are they coming back? We don't know.
0: Well, and then that's the thing. We have no idea. Like, and there's this theory running around that, that the soul of Argus is the sort of the fuel that burned that, which is without him or without it, the engine can't run, but there's nothing that confirms that. There's nothing that flat out says that.
2: And for like, that matter, even if it's the case, we know that demon souls went back to the nether to be reborn before Argus. That's, that's just flat out established. We know Yeah, that. this is sped it up. So without Argus there, do they then go forth into the nether to be reborn the old-fashioned way? Like there's, there's a lot here that they've they've left the door open on. We we, the legion is as gone as they want it to be, and I think that's important because while we're focusing on new threats and new stuff coming down the pike, and we've we've gotten like there's a there's a chance here that we really could get some outright new stuff because we've not only do we get new stuff in this expansion, but we've been shown new worlds. Yep. You know, after Battle for Azeroth, we don't know what's coming next. And that's this This expansion is the first one since Mists to do that. That's what makes Warlords so such a weird interruption, because Warlords isn't new stuff at all. Warlords is, remember all that old stuff? This is it. Kind of different. And that's why it's always felt really strange to me. I heard an ex-inhalation of someone who wanted to talk, and then they didn't, so I'm confused.
1: <laughs> to me, Warlords was kind of like... It felt like they wanted to retell and or... Rehighlight these stories of old that maybe people weren't too familiar with because they didn't play the RTS games or whatever. So they wanted to show, you know, what had gone down on Draenor. They wanted to show all of that all over again for like a new audience. But that story wasn't really told effectively at all. It, well, that's I, a, I think it turned into said, something else. It turned into something else entirely.
2: We've all said that Warlords did really well up up front. Like its yeah. leveling experience was really good and i think that's to a certain degree legion took that ball and ran with it while at the same time taking what mists did really well
1: with the end game mists, stuff
2: yeah mists did its end game really really well um it did. i think that's not really disputable it's unfortunate that they then had a year and a half or so before it was finally like done and we could go to something else um hopefully legion won't have that but definitely i feel like this expansion and this raid in particular this is i don't want to say it's the best raid they've ever done cuz i haven't like i said i haven't gotten into it yet but it feels like the most cohesive raid they've ever done where they really did sit down and say, Okay, what have we been doing all expansion? What have we been and we're not gonna be coy anymore. We're not gonna try there's and a... like hide things. We're yeah, gonna just flat this... out throw
1: them. It's it's like there's this threaded story throughout the raid that really wraps up the expansion and Siege of Orgamar kind of did that, except that it was left open-ended at the end. And then we got that wrapped up in a novel. Legion, I don't think that it was left open-ended per se. There's room for us to move on. It's like, here's the end of this chapter. Now we can go ahead and do a new one. Whereas... With War, or excuse me, with Pandaria, it felt like here's the end of the chapter. By the way, we caught Garrosh Hell'scream. You're not going to figure out what happens to him <laughs> until you read the novel that's coming out. You know, this one it feels like you don't need to read a novel to understand the end of the expansion. And the novel that Christy Golden is coming up with right now is well and truly it's it's a bridge. It's it's a bridge where you don't. You don't need to read it to understand the expansion. It's just additional material leading into the next one.
2: You know what I mean? No, I, I think I agree. What I'm, what's interesting is we were talking about it before, and you said that you felt like uh, Warlords was kind of an interstitial expansion where. It, yeah. And that's if you think about it, Battle for Bazaroth basically has a Warlords happening before it in novel form, rather than having to actually like play through it.
1: Kind of. And I think
2: maybe that's the best use for novels in terms of lore is to set up something without actually like having to be like, I don't know. I, I honestly feel like we could have done, they could have, there's lots of ways they could have had Goldon come back. They could have just said, oh, well, he was so corrupted by demons that they, you know, when, when Illidan drained this the skull of like, Goldon blah, this blah, is whatever. Like,
1: I mean, okay. This was my major complaint with Warlords of Draenor is that when I went back and, and I mean, I wrote up. It was like a review of Warlords lore or something like that. It was my year-end review, and it was addressing the end of Warlords. And I said, when we take a look at Warlords of Draenor, what did we get from this expansion? We got the attention of the Burning Legion. Well, we had that already, so we didn't really need like additional reason for it to pop up. And then we got Gul'dan, and we could have gotten him already. Because, I mean, yes, he was shredded apart by demons or whatever when he went to... Opened the tomb of Sargeras back during what it was like in the middle of the Second War, near the end of the Second War, is when he ditched Orgrim Doomhammer and his and, and the Horde and just went to go seize his own power, and then he was killed. All they had to do was make a change. All they had to do was say, oh, no, he wasn't killed. You thought he was killed, but he was actually assimilated into the Legion. And because he's assimilated into the Legion, that means that he doesn't really die. And also he's been sent back to Azeroth now to open the tomb of Sargeras and actually work as the Legion's servant.
2: They could even have done something. They could have done like, that. <laughs> like, the thing that I always kept in my mind was that they could have totally done a thing where... They had Illidan's body trapped in the vault of the wardens, just like we saw. But since he had absorbed Gul'don, when we quote unquote killed Illidan, Gul'don eventually oozed out of him and took the body. And it would have been just like we saw before. You know, maybe there was a warden he corrupted on the way, and boom, we got a corrupted warden now since that's important. And you could have had pretty much everything we had before. I don't. But that's not to say that Warlords wasn't at all useful. It didn't have things in it that were good. But the point. I think what I'm trying to make here is that Legion manages to be very consistent, even with it's, even when it reaches too far, it does so in a matter that you, you can follow. It does so in a consistent manner with itself. It is very self-contained. Whereas I don't think, I don't think even mists manage that. The only one I can think of that really came close to being this self- contained is wrath. Actually. I think Legion, I mean, Bur- uh, Burning Crusade failed utterly to be self-contained in, in that way. Burning Crusade is actually the worst expansion in that its story is so scattered and so like, I think one of the best raids in in, in Burning Crusade for lore was Zul'aman, which had nothing to do with anything
1: else that yeah, was happening. Yeah, I mean Burning Crusade, it felt like okay. So when you look at classic World Warcraft, vanilla World Warcraft, when you look at that, the story was kind of disjointed and all over the place. It didn't really tie together. It was just a series of separate chapters that didn't really have anything to do with each other Very except that like they a comic book really, except it's... that they all they they all presented this major threat to Azeroth okay whatever you get to burning crusade and you start to see this this like progressive attempt to tell like A cohesive story. It's like the beginnings of it. And there's still Mm -hmm. some of that holdover from Vanilla where it's like oh let's introduce this little bit of story here too because that'd be interesting. And once we get into Wrath that's when they start refining it. And they've just been refining it with like every expansion since. I feel like Legion is probably the pinnacle of all of that. There are still those random elements being presented I mean yes you look at Halls of Valor and go okay well what was going on there I'm sure we'll see that pop up again at some point. But it I think did, that's going to be
0: one that haunts us oh yeah.
1: Yeah It 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 did kind of fold in though and carry through with everything else like it had weight on everything else in the expansion. Everything that played through Legion had weight on everything else in the expansion and I think this is the first time that it's really done that. I don't know if it quite ekes out Miss of Pandaria as my favorite expansion to date, but it's right up there. I mean, I think the two are tied at this point. I need to actually like play through Antorus, and since I do that on LFR, it's going to be a while before I see the end of Antorus. <laughs> but from what I've seen all of the lore coming out of Antorus, I'm like, yeah, okay, no, this is really satisfactory, what they did here. The only thing that might kick Mists out of the way and it's got nothing to do with Missa of Pandaria is just, if we don't have to wait a year and a half for the next expansion, that'd be ideal. That would make this yeah. pretty perfect.
2: If we get a new expansion in 2018, I think this is going to seal Legion as one of the best expansions. Yeah. Because it, w- it will have actually wrapped itself up and then not made us spend too much time in the same place. Plus, I mean, there could be like a little bit more content coming when, when we get uh, time-walking Alduar. Uld- hmm and if that if that's the case, if we get a little bit more content as well, that's always nice. That's gravy. I would it definitely I'd, feels like we're gonna get more content in seven three five because there's a lot of stuff being data mined, but we don't know yet. You how know, and they keep out.
1: saying they keep saying all of the uh Allied races stuff that we're seeing is just it's like, oh, this is in there because it's part of the stuff that's coming in the next expansion. It's not necessarily blah, 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 blah. But the more that I'm seeing of all of this Allied race stuff that's being pulled out, the more I'm like, are they gonna give this to us a little early? Like, I not, don't know. Not I mean that's the, what I've been thinking. Obviously not the well, Zandalari, it... because the Zandalari are like But
0: some of it would make sense, right? Like if you did like the Nightborn and in and, and the you know a uh, light and then you have the high mountain Torrin, like it would make sense that maybe their story starts at the end of Legion with us, right? Because I'm
2: gonna, I'm gonna say something that weird about that though. I don't think I lore wise, I feel really strange. It feels like the horde got everybody who was from Azeroth to be their allied races like everybody who was from this planet like the one that we you know the one that were supposedly saving joined up with the horde and everybody who was already out there fighting the legion joined up with the alliance and that's just really odd to me like I don't the think horde that... the horde goes out there too why why are the light forge so quick to be like ah whatever
1: i, I i'm I mean... pretty sure that the light forge i mean the light forge would obviously go with the alliance because teralion is 100% Yeah that's going to be the big
0: that's gonna be the big selling the thing. The Void there, Elves
1: the Void Elves aren't from elsewhere. The Void well, actually, I don't know. We don't know much about the Void Elves or like where they come from just yet. Well,
2: there's a I've read a little about it, like the the, the spoiler stuff. I read it. So yeah, I, I haven't read the spoiler of, stuff yet. But it's it's still strange to me, like that. Hilaria is leading a faction, but then again, you know, Hilaria is not going to join a Horde faction.
1: No, <laughs> no way not. is she going to. But no. you know, if we're dealing with elves, those those are from Azeroth, and then the other Dark the Iron other, Dwarves are already from Azeroth. I was going to say the other allied races, Dark Iron Dwarves, and they are very much from Azeroth. So I don't. Yeah, but we don't know anything about what
2: they like. The like you mentioned with the Zandalari as well. The Zandalari and the Dark Irons we're going to be meeting are not connected to Dark Irons we've already met.
1: You know, I, I think I've. Okay, I understand what you're saying in terms of, with the Nightborne and the High Mountain, these are the guys that were already on Azeroth with us while we were fighting on the Broken Isles and everything, whereas the Lightforged and I were off on Argus somewhere, and they come back, and then the Void Elves come from, we don't know where, but if Valeria is leading them again, we have another person who is away from Azeroth and is coming back. Okay, I'm not so saying I get it's where wrong you're coming from bad.
2: I'm not saying it's wrong or bad. I just say yeah. it's interesting to note that it feels an awful lot like the alliance isn't very good at making alliances
1: <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> way to put it. They're I not think they much- are I think that we just we ran across the wrong types of people for them to make allies with at this point you the know high
0: I mean even
1: the, the
2: alliance, alliance like i don't really I don't really expect the high mountain to go with the alliance because it's it's real hard to have the only other torn like the, the Tonka joined the Horde, even though we don't ever see them. The Tonka joined the Horde back in Wrath. The the Yungal haven't joined anybody, but the, the, there's like two... The Yungal tauren are still groups. angry and worshipping fire
1: or whatever they're doing. Yeah,
2: But there's still two Tauren groups already joined the Horde. I, I wouldn't have expected the High Mountain to go Alliance. It would have been cool, because then I could play a, a a Tauren over on the Alliance side. But I get you. And the Nightborn thing, uh, we've argued it to death, and I don't feel like arguing it again. I get how that works. But I, I it's just interesting to see the Alliance... Not great at making alliances in this particular case. This expansion was not their their time to shine on alliance
1: making.
0: I mean, to be fair, they've been pretty bad at that for a long time.
1: I don't know. I don't know. But let's go ahead and go back to the Antorus end cinematic, because the stuff that happened in there was pretty significant. Obviously, we saw what happened to Azeroth, but we also saw kind of a cohesive end to Illidan's story. The story that's played out all Legion long, really, and that story when it started out I was kind of uncertain about it especially when Zira showed up and started you know waxing poetic about storm rage. (laughs) and yet as we progressed he kind of grew on me and he's been growing on me how do you guys feel about the end of Illidan as it were and I'm not going to say the end the end because obviously it's open-ended where if they wanted to bring him back in they probably could but for now that chapter is done how do you guys feel that went
0: i actually really like how it ended or at least it did a couple things that i've been begging them to do with illidan for a very long time first of all they finally gave him back some form of humanity and like as you see him interacting particularly with Velen, the sly smirk the smile the the sort of the thing that he has not done in how long He actually looks like there's a weight being lifted from him. Like, you know, it's it's the end of his journey. He knows it. It's this is everything that he's done for all these years, finally paying off. And finally, his end goal is complete, where he believes that, you know, the biggest threat that I need to deal with is gone now. And you can see some of that 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 merriment almost come back to him. The other important thing that I think about that, too, is that he had a lasting impact on Velen. And you can see that in the the comment that Velen makes when, you know, Illidan talks about, you know, the, f- the fate of our people uh, and Velen goes, the fate of our people or the, basically our destiny was never in the, or our fate in the hand, people was never in destiny's hands or whatever. Uh, it's a sort of moment where it's like Velen's like, yeah, I'm, I actually took your lessons to heart where you he said, it's time for us to take control ourselves. You were right. That's going to have a lasting impact. And it, the other important thing is Velen then channels the light, which means that realization doesn't break him from that. He still has access to it. And it just adds to that sort of growth of that character. And I think that's cool because it's probably the first time that Illidan had a a positive impact on a character throughout his entire career as a, a, and as who, a hero.
1: who really saw the whole buddy-buddy thing between Illidan yeah. and Velen coming? Like,
0: right. That, that was so out there.
1: It was out there, but it worked really well. Rossi, what do you think?
2: Uh, I like. I, I never. Th- I never thought Zera was pumping up Illidan in the first place. I always found her to be, and I've argued with everybody about this, and I still maintain that I was right. And we had a lengthy discussion
1: her... about this too yeah. on on Watch. So yeah, I, I, I'm right I there with you. Felt,
2: I always felt like Zera had no perspective, and was never actually trying to tell you what to think so much as trying to figure out what you thought, and her role in this was basically to be rejected. And I thought that that was really well done when Illidan's like, no, I won't be the puppet you want. I won't, if I'm going to fight this, I'm going to fight it my way. I'm going to use the the tools I've chosen. I'm going to be myself. And I don't think for, like, I've, I've seen a lot of criticism that they've they this was a redemption arc for Illidan. I don't think it was. I don't think Illidan was redeemed at any point because he never, backed away from what he did he had reasons for what he did that's not the same thing as saying what he did was always the right thing to do and it's really like there's a point in this there's a point in the expansion where you're like going through the various zero things and you see the moment where he gets his eyes burned out by sargeras and he says i realized at that moment there was nothing we could do there was nothing we could do. If we won that war, they'd still be out there. If we went and beat them again, there would still be more of them. It'd be an endless, endless wave, and there was no way to win if we kept fighting like we were. And that's the bit in the cinematic where he says to, he basically says to, to Velen, the hunter is nothing without the hunt. He quotes Which is Maiev. Re-
0: that's answer yeah. F- right there, yeah.
2: And uh, wasn't that what he said to her?
1: no to is no that that's what him. she
0: said to him yeah
2: okay well there's that whole bit where he says that he says the hunter is nothing without or the no, hunt no
1: no no he did say that to her excuse me
2: yeah i thought that was him to her he but... said
1: he said you the hunter is nothing without the hunt and you are nothing without me
2: yeah and when he and when he says it her here and that kind of set her off
1: on her whole yeah. where she went yeah
2: and he, when he says it here he says it in this like just this tone of you know yeah i could leave with you but this is what I'm for. This is what I. This is what I chose. This is the path I walked. It leads here. And when they pull Sargeras in, and he's there in front of him, Illyann just, you know, at last, you know, he's he's ready for this. Whether or not it's, I wouldn't say it's a good fate for him. I mean, it's certainly, you know, at best, he's going to be spending an awful long time fighting Sargeras and in while trapped, but. I think the, the things that, that happen after the cinematic, like the quest where you go and you deliver his last words to his brother and his and to Tyrande, I feel like Illidan finally moved past obsessed stalker, you know, obsessed stalker wanting to be Tyrande's boyfriend. I feel like he moved past that. Like, I think that's one of the things the Legion novel, like the, the Illidan novel, sets up. He still cared about her, but she wasn't, she was more like the way he cared about everybody. Like, it, it, was, it was too was big no longer... for him.
0: It was no longer she was his whole universe.
2: Well, it's, it's more like the world of Azeroth is too many people. Mm-hmm. It's too many people for Illidan to care about personally.
1: Or to kind of comprehend even. Yeah, it's, but he, it's too Tronda much. Was, was kind of that representation of everything that yeah. Azeroth was. And,
2: and he, says in, he says in the letter, he says something like the fact of, you were always the best of us. Your faith, your steadfastness. And these are things he doesn't have. And that's fascinating to me that despite the fact that he doesn't, he views himself as having neither faith nor steadfastness. And yet,
1: where is he at the end? And that's because he's trying to be her. I feel like Illidan, his story in particular, is a really interesting one because I feel like, I mean, you go back all the way to the War of the Ancients. I feel like his story has been one of a person who was kind of choked by the weight of their own quote unquote destiny. Like, he was born with it. He was born with the golden eyes. So everybody's always told him from day one, yeah, you're meant to be something really important. And he spent, like, the entirety of his life under that shadow with that weight on his shoulders. Yeah. If I'm and so the moment, important, yeah. The moment If I'm so important, yeah, it's right. The moment that he turned on Zira was the moment that he shrugged off that shadow and said, no, I get to choose. And I'm going to choose, and I'm going to choose what I feel is right. And I feel like what we saw at the end of Antoris was was it a grim fate? Yeah, but it was his choice, and that made all the difference in the world. So I feel like it I was a, it that, was a yeah. fitting it was a fitting end for him. And I really like that moment just between him and Velen in that cinematic was just I don't know there was something about it. It just like really hit me in a good way. <laughs> I was like. I've-
2: I've described it a couple of times now as feeling like lethal weapon in a way, like the a Rigs of Lethal. Ur- yeah, top. yeah, Like they're, you know, Illidan's the crazy guy and Velen's the old, you know, I'm too old for this guy. And together they actually worked. They worked better than like so many other combinations in, in various like storylines. Velen and Illidan actually worked well together. They, they, they played well off each other. Illidan punctured a lot of Velen's, for lack of a better word, I don't want to say pretensions, but like the stuff he'd grown up believing. Over I feel like Anduin,
1: Anduin started that process in Prophet's Lesson. Like, Anduin kind of pulled him out of that reflective funk, if you want to call it that, that Velen was dredged in where he was just kind of obsessed with sorting through these visions and seeing the future. And Andwin's like, no, no, come back to right now because things are happening and we need you. And that kind of started to pull Velen out of it. And I feel like Illidan... Pulled Him the rest of the way out of it, and also in his own way, in his own really gruff kind of <laughs> you want to smack him, but you don't kind of way, helped Velen come to terms with the magnitude of what had happened to Argus, what had happened to Velen's home, and reach a resolution like an internal resolution about it all. Because the thing is, is like even when, even when you know, Sargeras stabs the planet and pulls away and he's getting imprisoned or whatever Velen's looking at this and he kind of sighs but it's like this sigh of like okay we're done now like it's not it's not a panic or anything like that and it's not like a heavy sigh it's more like a relief kind of thing which felt weird but it felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off of Velen's shoulders and maybe now he can move on does that make sense
2: kind of does because you get that that scene where the three of them it's uh velin magni and cadgar in the ship as it's leaving yeah and they're watching as sargeras gets pulled off of azeroth yeah and it's like there's just that one moment where he's sargeras turns to stare at where the beam is coming from and the three of them are just standing there watching this and i gotta think at least one of them like maybe cadgar at least cadgar is gonna be like i do not believe what I'm looking at. I know. Because it's it's right there. It's like he's the size of the planet. What are we doing, man?
1: <laughs> oh my And meanwhile Lord. Bella's just like, yep, this is what happens <laughs> in the universe. I remember
2: what showed up the last time, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's uh I don't know. I, I felt like Illidan finally got he got the story that he didn't get in Burning Crusade. This yep. this story kind of told everything that i wanted to hear from burning crusade and we got i I do appreciate the illidan novel in particular because the novel told us a lot more about burning crusade burning crusade did um and a lot more of what illidan was doing while burning crusade was going on i highly recommend that novel by the way um if any of our listeners haven't read that yet you should go read that um particularly if you want to see how Burning Crusade and Legion tie together, because they do, they they really do. Um, so it's sort of like this was Burning Crusade Part 2, almost?
0: I, I actually really like that as a thought, because I feel that Legion really was the absolute continuation of everything that started back in Burning Crusade.
1: Yeah, but it was really satisfying. Like, I think that this yes. was a satisfying ending. What do you think, Rossi? Was this satisfying? I, I...
2: It was certainly satisfying, but one of the things I think is that we're we're kind of sh- selling it short by saying it's the continuation of, of Burning Crusade. We are, I but I, I mean, that's this. like no, one no, big aspect of it. No, but here's the thing. Burning Crusade itself was just a continuation of Warcraft's 1 and 2. And what we just got with Legion, when, when Sargeras gets pulled off the planet and jammed in his prison, that is the end of something that's been hanging around Warcraft as a setting since it started. Before World of Warcraft... Before Warcraft Three, before it's, this is something that was a big part of Warcraft's One and Two. Sargeras has been around forever. He's been an omnipresent threat forever. The reason the Horde exists is because of the Burning Legion. The reason that orcs are green, the re- all this stuff. Like, think about what a huge moment this is. Is it, it, is it a satisfying ending? Yes, but it's also like, it's like the slamming shut of a door that's like a thousand miles across. It's just a sound in a way. The only way to do it would be to have that moment where you see Sargeras stab Azeroth, because that's the only thing that conveys the sheer size of what just happened. Oh yeah. Is having that giant figure go. No. And I don't even know if he was trying like, we don't even know what he was trying to do there like we you know was he trying to kill azeroth was he trying to jam his sword into it so he could hold on to it like what he was, was he doing trying
1: to, well he was trying to corrupt azeroth like that was his whole end game thing and no, no this was I, like his... I know that
2: but i i mean specifically the bit with the sword i don't know what the intent there is
1: i was think he's just trying to the, kill the planet what, I, what was he doing well i think that that the intent there was that obviously his plans did not work he could not convert Azeroth so in order to prevent it from becoming a void titan he tried to kill it because it was like we can't do things my way okay we're going to do things my way that one time that I cut a planet in half
2: it's interesting to me because a lot of people have pointed out where he stabbed is interesting I know so this, yeah.
1: I, well he's like mm, that's uh Problematic on a number of levels. I, I have a hypothetical question for you guys, but um, I think I'll just present that at the end of this here. So go ahead and talk about the swords more and where it's located. And well, just okay. just go um, nuts, you guys. Do what you do. <laughs> uh,
2: th- I think you know. I'll let Joe talk in a little bit. I just wanted to basically the sword. the The sword is, as far as we know, based on like stuff I've seen tweeted by people at Blizzard. The sword is gorable. It is the sword of Sargeras um, and he drove it into Silithus and it's taking up most of Silithus. Like it's you, it's hard to say where in Sil- Silithus he stabbed because it's hard to say where in Silithus he didn't stab.
1: Anchorage was uh, still there. Yeah, but that's pretty much it. Everything like, else, like everything north of Onkaraj, Cenarian Hold, everybody that was living out there at the time, all of the scorpids, the dude that you used to summon thunder on, like all of that. Bye-bye.
2: Yep. Yeah, there's a giant freaking hole with a big sword sticking out of
1: it's it. It's a zone-wide a, hole.
0: A giant lava-filled hole, essentially. It's a
1: sword-filled hole. It's a sword. It's a big sword. It's like... The sword is like... You can see it from Thunder Bluff.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's... It is using every bit of that new draw distance they put in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. I kind of feel like they put that in just so people could see that sword from a distance. Because, yeah, it's... It is enormous. It is... Do you remember, like, when you go to the... You go to... um, Oh, bloody heck. It's it's in the uh, Eastern Kingdoms. It's where the, the Twilight's Hammer raid was, Bastion of Twilight, that zone. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. The Twilight Highlands? Thank you. You're uh, I should just say Bastion of Twilight. When you go to Bastion of Twilight, you had to fly up to the top. Yeah. Yes. There's that that And place. it's very and it's, tall. It's so tall that when you try to fly there, if you're not close enough to it, you hit the ceiling and your mount won't go up any higher until you get closer. They yeah. so had to add more distance. The sword is like four times taller than that, easily. It's it's very tall. And
1: that's I mean, Bastion of Twilight is very high up. Anybody who's done cataclysm and flown to Bastion of Twilight, you know how high up that is.
0: It takes a while to fly up to it. That's how big it is. Like it it, it like you go okay, well I I'll just hold space even, for now.
1: I can't even comprehend the size of that sword if it's four times that. Cause I'm just I...
2: estimating I don't actually know, but it's big.
0: Well, you could actually see like they're, they're because Encouragement isn't gone. It's yeah. like the sword's close enough. We'll we will have a size scale comparison that we can compare it to. Uh, screenshots right now aren't doing a whole lot because we're not. It, it hasn't physically really been there for everybody. Like I can't go and fly there and see that yet. But yeah, once you I have can, to
2: basically, yeah, either when LFR is done and is come out fully, or when you kill, yeah. um, you know Argus and get to see that and that
0: final cinematic,
1: it unlocks but, like Argus unlocked for people.
0: Yeah. The thing that I'm interested in, really, with the sword, though, is I'm kind of curious if he missed. Like, I, I'm wondering if that was Well, the planet's not there.
1: dead, but we've been told that Battle for Azeroth, the planet, is bleeding. And we're, like, collecting its essence in sure. these necklaces and trying to bring it but all think, back together.
0: But think about it, right? Like, his entire goal is to... And you sort of brought this up. Like, his entire goal is to destroy the Void. He doesn't want the Void to be... A thing and before we ripped him off the planet he was communing with azeroth like i mean he was that cloud monster sort of enveloping it but you can't tell me that a titan even even a corrupted one like sargeras couldn't see or sense or smell if something was off right and we've we've quote unquote killed a few of the old gods which we know are, are all sorts of be this corrupting agent for the planet we've had that that sort of verified all throughout legion as well uh and as soon as we completed the emerald nightmare what if he wasn't aiming for Sil- silithus what if he was aiming to try to kill whatever last old god was left on the planet
1: like he was aiming for Nizoth.
0: like he was aiming for Nizoth and just missed because we we happened to pull him away from his bullseye so because a sword that big and you said it yourself he could split a planet in half even being pulled, he could have killed Azeroth if he really wanted to. I fully believe that. I think he wasn't trying to kill Azeroth. Because from the beginning, I think he was trying to sway Azeroth or bring Azeroth to to his side. She she hasn't been born yet, despite what level of, of conscious thought she has. She hasn't been born yet. So he could tell her, you know, I, your, your fight's about to come. I'm going to to make sure that you are free of this corruption, but you have to finish the fight. I don't think he was trying to kill her. I think he was going for the last old God because we know Titans can kill them. They just don't want to, because they think that it'll destroy everything. I think Sarah Garrison knows more than we, than, than we think he does at this point.
1: Anything to add to that, Rossi? Uh,
2: I'm not so sure he missed so much as we don't know what he was trying to do. Um, I think missed, I don't, I keep wondering what his goal was with that attack. Was he just trying to blow up the planet? Uh, was he just trying to wound the planet? Was he trying to say, I don't, if he was aiming for an old god, he wasn't aiming for Nazath, because there's an old god right where he hit. Maybe Cthulhu's tentacles if... go out underneath. You know, well, the old gods are enormous. Their tentacles go out underneath where they're imprisoned. That's so,
0: true. There's but no chance
2: he... he didn't hit Cthulhu.
0: But what if Nazath is doing that thing where let's say let's say theoretically we we completely made the old gods that we fought so far dormant. We know that there was no love between the old gods. What if Nazoth was going to claim that dormant power? What if Nazoth is trying to go supercharge himself? What if he's going to go to Cthune and all of those other places?
2: So to Te'oxeran like and stuff like that. I don't think we even made them dormant, and here's why. In Cataclysm, Bastion of Twilight is being run by Chogol. Chogall is directly invoking the Master, and the mm-hmm. Master is C'Thun. As long as they're around... There's like, I don't think any of them are done. I think at any moment, sure. all three of them could come up and Nazoth getting up in the next, whenever he does, like, you know, we know that Nazoth is awake now. The other two weren't asleep in the first place. So I don't know. I There's a lot we don't know yet, but one thing is absolutely clear to me. Um, the point you made about Sargeras being able to destroy the planet is is well made. Uh, he has destroyed planets before. He could absolutely destroy this one. And so, he had the
0: opportunity to do so before we pulled him off of it, but he didn't.
2: Well, he we definitely, before we pulled him off of it, he felt he'd won. Like he had no reason to do it. He, he'd won. He was there. He made it to, to Azeroth. But, Argus well, was created. He assumed Argus was going to kill off the rest of the Pantheon and he was going to have Azeroth. He didn't have any reason to do anything. But
0: we to it. also. We also once... don't know what he did in the meantime between him and Azeroth, right? That's
2: true. We don't know that. There's a lot we don't know. We don't know even what...
1: <sighs> we don't know if he was trying to corrupt her, or if he was just whispering sweet nothings, or saying, hey baby, I'm home, or what.
2: Yeah, really just, there's no... I, there's so much more going on here. We know that the seed of the Pantheon was in the Great Dark Beyond itself. Not... It wasn't in... It wasn't around Argus. Like, the The, the planet. Obviously, right. Argus, the Titan yeah. appeared there. But it, the Seat of the Pantheon was out in the Great Dark Beyond. There's so much, like, I, I feel like there's there's so much left to be done. Like, the Titans themselves, we, we, we just got to see echoes of them. We didn't get to see them in their full. The only one we got to see in his full was Sargeras himself. That's the yeah. only one we saw in full manifestation. Even Argus. Argus wasn't in full manifestation. Argus wasn't fully realized. He even calls it My Broken World. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here kind of stammering because the sheer amount of it just
0: becomes impossible to really quantify. Okay. Totally okay. unrelated. I do want to ask one thing. Did anybody else think that they called Metzen back to voice uh, Amendol because it totally sounded like <laughs> him?
1: I don't know, but there's always that possibility. However, we are running out of time here, so we should probably start wrapping it up. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And for you guys, the listeners of Lore Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, they have several Blizzard titles. I know that we mentioned Illidan, like the novel Illidan in the podcast here. That's one of the ones that they have available in audiobook format. And you can pick that up with as your free audiobook with that 30-day trial. If you're interested in checking that out or any of Blizzard's other titles or any of the tons and tons and tons of other books that they have available, you can do that by signing up at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Um, as far as the expansion goes actually no before before I get into this before I get into this um if you guys have any questions, obviously we didn't get to any emails today. I had a list, but we kind of went all over the place, so I'm sorry we didn't get to them. However, if you have any questions for Lorewatch, specifically surrounding the end of the Legion expansion, Antorus, all of that, you can send those to podcast at podcast.blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure to put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. And the next episode, we'll go ahead and dig back into the mailbag and get to you guys' questions, because I know there were already some there waiting. We'll get to those first. Um... Final thoughts here, though. I, I have a question for you guys, and this is kind of a hypothetical, right? Okay, so Sargeras is a titan, but he's also this being of, like, seething hatred and everything, right? And malevolence, whatever, what have sure, you. Sure, Bad guy, right? Do you think that battle for Azeroth and the fighting between the factions, do you think that's something that's just naturally coming to a head, or do you think that the fact that Sargeras plunged his weapon into the world, that the presence of that weapon is what is fomenting that aggression somehow. I told you it was a hypothetical.
0: I believe that it is within the realm of possibilities because we don't understand what that weapon is. We see that it is created through the manifestation of his power, which essentially means that it is a part of him. So a part of him exists outside of that prison. And if it is, Carrying that essence, sure, maybe that's the case. My question is to that, if that is the case, how far does that power radiate? Because we know that this war rages across the entirety of Azeroth. Everybody sort of feels these aggressive tendencies.
1: Well, how deep um, did the sword go? We don't know. Right.
0: We don't know that either. So I'm curious if that's if that's the case or, and and this is the, the, the other thing, if the sword being there is simply causing the agitation of Azeroth and because we are all creatures created by, essentially created by Azeroth in one manner or another, we are children of Azeroth. That is exactly what Amonthil refers to us as children of Azeroth. If we are just feeling the effects of that discomfort. That's what I
1: mean by the whole fomenting that aggression. Like it's got something to do with it. It's radiating. Well, that's what I mean. I don't think it,
0: Maybe it's not the the sword itself that's causing it, but the fact that it's an open wound like that.
1: Okay. What do you think, Rossi?
0: If it's Gorobal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: if it's the actual one half weapon that was once the great weapon he used before and it broke in fighting with Aminthal, with Ag- with Aggramar, mm-hmm. then by definition it's broken. It's a it's a weapon that he he reforged to match his new self. That means he, he basically. This is a guy who is exploding from within. He's a volcano. He's like worse than. Do you remember how, uh, how Deathwing had that problem where his like. Yeah. Oh, his yeah. Yeah. Explode from within. Sargas has that a million times worse. He's got literal volcanoes erupting off of his skin. He's constantly cracking open. His choices have destroyed him and he's incapable of seeing it. He very much is, he's almost the patron saint of this idea you see over and over again in Warcraft of people who snap and then try to prove everybody else would make the same decisions, you know? And, and I think we're getting, we're seeing a lot of whether or not the sword itself is doing so magically or as Joe pointed out, because the world itself is injured and is screaming or what, I mean, that's, that's something we'll find out in due time. But I don't think it's a coincidence that Sargeras shows up and everybody wants to fight. I think, to a certain degree, Sargeras is like a personification of everybody wants to fight. That's what yeah. he is. He's he is you know he's rage. You know he he had a perfect goal, He had a perfect purpose back back when he was you know in the pantheon. He he had a perfect, and by perfect I literally mean the old Latin sense of completed purpose. He knew what to do and he did it, and he he never questioned it. He never thought it was unnecessary until it got broken on him, and he broke. And everything he's done since is in in the assumption that the universe is broken and needs to be purified. He doesn't view the cycle of things as the way it should be. He thinks it's just, it's all gone wrong. It's all broken, and I have to clean it up. I have to fix it. So
1: we need to unplug s- it and plug it back in again.
2: Yeah, the, the router. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> However you want to look at it,
1: though.
2: <laughs> That sword being here is a really bad thing.
1: Sargeras is the worst IT agent ever.
2: <laughs> yeah. But th- th- That sword being there in Silithus, I mean, whether or not its he was aiming an old god, whether or not he was just trying to stab the planet, whatever he was doing, that sword being there all by itself is a terrible thing. Because think about it. It's a Titan artifact unlike anything we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of one. And it's just sticking into the planet. I think the Azerite might be the least of our problems.
1: Okay, well, that wraps us up for the show. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks.